Bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. This is Elias Flores coming to you on this beautiful Wednesday. And uh, it's still raining crazy here in California. And I think uh, it's a prophetic message to all the all the humanists out there that think that they control the weather and that they can uh, they can manage Earth. You know, they, they fail to realize that we serve a sovereign God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the God of what Psalm says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwell therein. And so, yeah, this is God's way of just saying, what drought? Yeah, I can, I can knock that five, six year drought out that you guys continue to tax people on. Um, you know, I could wipe that out in three weeks. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of crazy over here. And we're, we're kind of dealing with some weather and people are freaking out because they can't normally do what they normally do. But uh, anyhow, um, we, will, we want to uh, open up this little thought today on uh, what I would call confessions of 2023 faith. Okay. What does faith look like in 2020? What is our confession? How do we see Jesus? Who is Jesus? You know, because um, it's, it's a troubling thing when you start looking at some of the activities that have gone into the Western church. What I mean by the Western church is America, uh, Europe, uh, you know, these Western civilizations that were supposed to be safe havens for the gospel. But uh, now we have those that are being uh, put under attack where they're, they've gone into this anti-God, anti-Christ movement in our nation. And we've seen it in the culture. Uh, you saw where Hollywood did at the Grammys where, where uh, one of the one of their um, artists come out looking like the devil, which let, lets you know that, uh, that um, you know what, the devil's hiding in plain sight. And, and most church members don't see him based on how they're responding to the attacks on the family, the nuclear family, the, the the children, the attacks and the assaults on the children, the educational system, and what's really going on in the entertainment. What are they really trying to tell us? Um, what, How the church responded to uh, the attacks on the COVID thing uh, and the whole nine yards, how the culture has been totally set against the church. And so we, we have to take a different approach and, and refocus on our confession, on, on, on having the right confession that, you know, the Greek word for confession is homo logeo or, or homo or same homo, same logeo, same word that we are identifying that we are serving the, the Jesus of the Bible, that the Jesus of the Bible is our savior. The culture has done some crazy things like, you know, Jesus was an immigrant and they have these commercials and, and it's Hollywood trying to portray Jesus as this human, this social justice warrior that's, that's out there. Now, now let's look at the Jesus of the Bible. Okay. He's our confession. That's who we confess to. And what makes this Jesus of the Bible so powerful. 
that you'd have to look at first Peter chapter two, verse nine, that, that this Jesus, you know, has chosen you and I to be a chosen generation. Okay. I, I like that. The, the eclitos generos. Okay. Generos, you know, the, 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 the eclitos, the called out, the favored offsprings. That's what that, that, that chosen generation, the favored offsprings, that his power, his resurrection, who he was and his work accomplished in us generated a chosen people, a holy nation, his own people, that he may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light who once were not a people, but now are a people. This, this, this Jesus that makes us somebody that were nothing before, that, ca- that caused us to have favor and grace upon us. This Jesus of the Bible, the holy nation, hagios ethnos, this holy, this, this separated, this morally pure and blameless ceremonial people, this that, that would produce a tribe, a church. That's, that's the power of the right confession. This Jesus, seeing Jesus correctly, that we look at him in the day that we're living in the 20th, in the, in the 21st century, that, um, that we have this Jesus that has, uh, accepted all kinds of things in the church that, 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 you know, um, that just all kinds of what, what I would call, um, carnal behavior has been embroiled into the church and said, it's okay. Grace will cover it all. Now, that doesn't make you a, a, a holy nation, a hagios ethnos, a, a, a ceremonial, morally blameless, pure tribe. That's, that, 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 if it's not doing that, if that Jesus didn't do that to you, and uh, this grace and favor that's come upon you, well, then maybe you don't have the right Jesus. And don't, don't forget, because, you know, just because you gather in a church, you know, they do that at universities. They have teachers in universities. They, gra- they gather there. They have graduations. They, you know, they get together for TED Talks. You know, they group up. They sing songs. They do all kinds of things that, you know, that mirror what happens in a church. But what sets us apart is the power of the object and the subject of our faith. The object and the subject of our faith. That the object of our faith is powerful, undisputable, irrevocable, that makes us a unique people because our object is unmovable then we can become everything our object has purchased through his blood, has rose again from the dead so that we can become alive in him. That we, we would go from a nobody to a somebody because of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Jesus of the Bible, the biblical historical Jesus. And so, as we discuss today in this uh, in this um, this little um, lesson, I'm going to give you about confession of faith. Okay, confession of faith for 2023. I must know who Jesus is. I'm not going to fall for this Jesus that is put out by the culture. I mean, listen, you'll find out that the culture. What I mean by the culture, the school systems, the 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 Hollywood systems, the entertainment world, the the, the sports world, all, all these all these um, 
all these areas of industry that, that produced the culture, that, that, that produced a godless society. They, they don't mind your Jesus as long as your Jesus is what they define as Jesus. You know, you know, like every time if you look at the movies, every time you see Jesus, you, you see the church. They're they're doing a soup kitchen or they're doing uh, they're doing uh, alcohol anonymous meetings. They're doing some type of social work and, and they don't mind that Jesus. They don't mind you having a a um, a food bank. They don't mind you having a covid station so the people could come get shots. They don't mind you doing those benevolent things that, you know, they don't they don't want to take the time to do. That's what the church is for. That, you know, that they they like that Jesus. They like the Jesus that that will uh, you know, give give bread to the hungry and they like the Jesus that will sit there and and put a uh, a blanket on someone that's cold. They like that Jesus. They don't like the Jesus that says there's something wrong with humanity. There's something wrong with the man that does not know God. That man is man is a sinner and they need a savior. They don't like the doctrine of Romans, which is the original sin. By sin, by one man, sin entered the world. They don't like that. They don't like to be called sinners because they they, they, they have to do something about themselves and this Jesus, the, sub, the object of our faith. They have to do something about our object and they can't deal with it. So they, they like the church. They love the church to, to just be a soup kitchen, uh, you know, a clothing store for people, uh, a humanitarian arm of the city, a humanitarian arm of the state. You know, they'll even give you money. They even give you a, a, a tax break and a tax code. Um, they, give you, they give you all that if you will just, if you'll just stay in your little corner and be exactly who they tell you you are. All you are is a bread basket to the city. All you are is a, is a hospital to the sick. All you are, that's all you are. But you're not one that, 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 that once you start speaking against the sin of humanity, once you start speaking about original sin, and once you come against the, the behaviors that are driven by, by a sinful heart of humanity, then you, they got to silence you. They got to shut you down. It, you know, the minute you become um, a morally, morally pure and morally holy and morally righteous because you're a royal priesthood, that you're a, a kritos genos, you're a favored people because of who Jesus is, that you are a hegios ethnos, you are a holy, morally pure, a consecrated people, a pure, holy nation, a tribe. They don't want, they don't, they don't want any of that. Don't keep that, keep that stuff quiet. And Jesus, Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 15, he begins to, he begins to, um, uh, he begins to probe. He begins to probe the minds of the culture. You know, he, he begins to, he begins to ask his disciples a very important question. And it's just like, and it's just like what, what has happened in many churches 
when it comes to when it comes to moral the moral sins that have infected even within the church the acceptance of the LGBTQ community in the church that there's nothing wrong with homosexuality God loves everybody and and a, a loving God wouldn't send anybody to hell listen listen Linda God does God does not send people to hell because they love him people go to hell because they do not love him if you love me, keep my commandments. And when you break the commandments of God, when you rebel against God, when you when you are a model of Romans chapter 1, 18 on down, if that's your model to live and say, you know, I can do whatever I want, I can be whatever I want, I can do, well, well then you got the wrong Jesus. You got the wrong Jesus. Because Jesus produces a chosen generation. He, 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 he produces a holy nation. Okay. That's what he produces. He doesn't produce a cultural relevant group of people that sit around and sing Kumbaya. And if you look at Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 15, listen, listen to this. Okay. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea uh, Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that the son of man son of man am so they answered and said some say john the baptist some say elijah some say jeremiah or one of the prophets and he said to them but who do you say that i am i i just want to lock some things in here because when you when none of the things that they said were were bad especially at that time. John the Baptist was revered up until he lost his head for confronting the cultural ills of Herod, right? Remember, how did he lose his head? He confronted adultery. He confronted, he confronted pedophilia. He confronted that, and it upset the cultural drivers, and it cost him his head. What about Elijah? Elijah confronted um um, Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, and he took them out. It's always a confrontation. Jeremiah did the same thing. It's always a confrontation of the culture, of what men think is right, opposed to what God says is right. So when you look at John the Baptist and Elijah, and in that day, in 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 the in the Jewish culture, John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah, those were not bad things, but they were not sufficient for who Jesus really is. They're not sufficient for the Son of God. These John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah does not produce a chosen generation. It doesn't produce a holy nation a royal priesthood. It doesn't produce that. A blameless people. It doesn't produce that. And so even, even, even though the culture, even today, you know, when, when you look at the assessment of who Jesus is, you ask that question in a context of today, you know, the Muslims think that they, they think highly of Jesus as a virgin born prophet. They don't have no problem with Jesus being a prophet. You know, the Mormons think highly of Jesus too, that he's a deity, that there is some, there is something special about him. Jehovah's Witnesses think that he's a lesser God, but yet he is part of, part of a deity a portion the Hindus and the Buddhists admire Jesus' enlightenment and wisdom. The secular humanists say that Jesus is the most important figure when Jesus 
speaks of morality and human interaction in society. You know, do unto others as you would have them do. Be nice. All the be nicety things, they, they point to Jesus. Christians shouldn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. Well, they don't know the Jesus that turned over temples and, and whipped people and, and put people in their place. They don't know about that Jesus because they don't read that far. But anyhow, so so by, by saying these things, they're not sufficient for who Jesus is. They're not sufficient. These descriptions. And what I'm really trying to get at you today into to discussion is, is the Jesus you serve, is he producing in you ecletos genos, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation? Where you become morally blameless, where you, where you are, where things of old have passed away and become, you have become new. That's the Jesus. That's the Jesus that we confess, the immovable object of your faith. Not to have this watered down, this watered down version of who Jesus is, this Jesus that's not recognizable in, in the Bible. Only the Jesus that's recognized in, in the culture and what the culture says a Christian is. You know, these you have to understand, and I have to understand and come to grips with the fact that it's not just so much, you know, I believe. You know, James 2.19 gives us gives us a strong rebuke when it comes to having the right confession, having the right Jesus. I mean, I mean, think about this. James 2.19 says, you believe there's one God. You do well. Yeah, say, oh, I love God. I go to church. I do my thing. Then James writes out. Now, don't forget, who is James? James is the brother of Jesus. James is the one that had an appearance that changed his life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through, 1 through 9. Read that. Where he appeared to James. Paul writes easy, he appeared to James. And that conversion, that, that, that resurrected manifestation of Jesus to James changed James's life. And James is writing to you. And James is saying this, even the demons believe. Pisteo. Okay? Even the demons pisteo. Listen, even the demons attribute truth. They are persuaded and give credit to there's a difference between faith and belief. Faith is, is, that, is that sense of, of belief in the mind and the soul that bring you to an action. Without faith, uh, without, without action, faith is dead. This actual moving things out. But belief is the pisteo, the, 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 the mental assent, the giving credit or putting confidence, placing that, yeah, you are the son of God, but we're going to do what we want to do anyway. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe. He equates this mental assent. He equates this mental approach that I acknowledge God. I acknowledge there is a God, but I'm going to do my own thing. Listen, but you, but do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith, pistis, the action towards God that's motivated by the by the what the conviction of thinking the evidence of truth the realities of faith drive you in action towards God 
That's what he's saying. The old foolish man, that faith without works is dead. And then he gives you the illustration of Abraham, our father, was justified by works when he offered up. Again, he shows you this action, this this um, pisteo, this mental ascent to credit to the truth, to being persuaded mentally, that it drove you to action, to faith, where it can actually be seen. And when you start looking at that type of faith, when you start looking at that type of belief that the Bible is demanding, you can't have this false Jesus. You can't have this Jesus that doesn't, doesn't, that may exist in your church and on your pulpits, but doesn't exist in the Bible. That Jesus was an immigrant. Oh, this part. No, he was the landlord. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He is not an orphan anywhere. He is not a refugee anywhere. He's the owner. He has the, <laughs> he has the, he has the deed of heaven and earth in his hand. He is the creator of heaven and earth. Read Colossians. Read John chapter one. John chapter one, verse, you know, verse one and two, you, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him and through him. I mean, it, it, it's, it's amazing how we lose who Jesus really is. Oh, I believe. Uh, yeah, you have this, you have this thought that you think it to be true, but it, you're not convinced enough to where it drives you to action. And he says, yeah, you do well. The demons believe also. And they even tremble. You know what that means? They shudder in place. They shudder. It's like they get chills in their body when they think of God. We got people, we got people in church that, that don't even blush in their sin. They know they're lying and they, they don't even blush. They'll lie right to your face as if there is no God. Even the devils tremble. So again, we have this dilemma for 2020 is I want to serve the biblical Jesus, the historical Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the object of my faith. I want, I want my object. Okay. I want my object to be so strong, so immovable in which he is that I shall never be changed, never be moved. And I will always know the question to what Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? That was the question to his disciples. I know what the culture is saying. Again, there's a lot of people, that, uh, colleges and institutions, and, and they're all, they, they know that do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Thou shalt not judge. You know, they, they know that love. You know, they, they got this grace and they got this all these ideas of, you know, of what the Bible says. But they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They don't know the biblical Jesus. You know, what's, what's amazing in this idea that even the devils believe. What about the two demoniacs in Matthew 8, 28? In, in the Gadarenes, the two men met, you know, 8, uh, 8, 28 through 30. When he had come out to the other side, to the country of the, the Gadarenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce so that no one could pa pass their way. And suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, O Jesus, 
you son of God. They knew exactly who he is. They bent their knee. They bowed. They bowed. <laughs> Have you come to torment us before their, before our time? Again, this acknowledgement of who Jesus is, is different than obeying him and worshiping him. They acknowledge him. They had the pisteo. They knew who he was. You know, even the woman at the well. Remember the woman at the well after Jesus told her huh? all these things? You know, you, uh, Jesus turns around and tells him, hmm, okay, uh, tell me about your husbands. Oh, I'm not married. No, nah, you do well. And Jesus says, oh, you have, you have, Five of them, and the one you're living with now is not yours. And she goes, ah, oh, you must be a prophet. <laughs> Jesus goes, nah, yeah, that's cute. But I'm not a prophet. I'm a son of God. Huh? It's accurate. It's close, but it's not enough. It's not enough. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 18.15. This is what's important too. As we start pulling this together, we must go away from acknowledging Jesus to actually believing him, that he is our confession, who he is. He's Lord. He's creator of heaven and earth. All things consist by him and in him and through him and for him, that he is the common denominator to life. Deuteronomy 18.15 says this, Remember the prophet, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from your midst, from whom, brethren, him shall ye hear. In other words, I'm supposed to listen just to him. You know, when, when you, when you, how many remember the, the pandemic, you know, 2020, when everything went crazy and all the churches shut down because the government said, how many were listening to God? How many, how many put the, the, the God doesn't heal uh, coronavirus. God doesn't heal COVID-19. God doesn't do any of those things. He, he doesn't do anything. So we better put our mask on, get six feet away because that's what they told us what to do because not even God can stop this. Hmm. What happened to all the healing services and, and all the healing ministries and, and you know, and, uh, and all the, all the ministries that said, that said, if you, if you have sick, People that are sick, just come, come on in. No, we went to virtual church. We don't know to show up. We don't. We we start. We start running and hiding. Is that what God told us to do? Oh yeah, but He told us for the safety of people. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. For the safety of people or for obedience to Him. Our job as preachers is to listen to Him. That's what Deuteronomy says. It's a prophet that's coming. Jesus is our, your prophet. Listen to Him. You know, this one, this this illustration of Matthew 18, 15, you know, listen to the prophet in Matthew 5, 21 through 32, you know, the, you have heard, but I say, he said, you, if you, if you murder in your heart, calling your brother a fool, you're, you're wrong. Adultery goes from, from the actual act to the looking of, the appearance of lust, Okay, marriage, you know, to stay sexually pure that you just can't divorce for anything. But it, he gives a clause there. Well, you have heard, but now I say, this is the, this is the process of, of obeying Jesus. This is what the culture says. This is what Moses said, but I'm, I'm going to take this a little bit higher. Okay. He says, if you lie, you don't lie. Let your yes be yes. And you know, that's what I say. 
That's what I say. You have heard, but now I say. And, and Matthew chapter 5, 21 on, read it yourself. It, you, you, that statement, you have heard, but I say. That's part of the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18, 15. The prophet will come and you will you will do what he hears. What you hear him say, that's what you do. Jesus was taking everything to another level. Psalms 110.4, right? Because he's a priest. He says, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. Okay? And you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This is where this holy nation comes from. This is where this royal priesthood comes from. It's who he is. Only God, the Son of God, can produce these things. You know, Zechariah chapter 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O king of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So your king is coming, O Jerusalem. He is king. This is who Jesus is. He's a priest. He's a prophet. He's the king. He's the king. See, our, our confession, okay, when, when, when we get to, to this, this final wrap here, and I'll, I'll, wrap, I'll wrap this up. When... When Jesus asks, he says, who do men say that I am? They say, well, you're Jeremiah, you're Isaiah, you're, you're John the Baptist. And again, those are all five things, but they're insufficient things. Because he is who? He is priest. He is king. He is, <laughs> he is the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the universe. He, everything, everything gravitates towards him and he sustains all things so when they ask Peter and Peter steps up after Jesus asks his disciples in Matthew who do men say that I am and then Peter pipes up and says this thou art the Christ the son of the living God boom he nails it thou art the Christ the anointed one the Messiah Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This, this idea of living God is important to the context because it is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It shows the eternity of God, the living God, the one that exists and continues to exist, the one that was here before time. And, and when Peter gives this tremendous revelation, Jesus says, flesh, listen, Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, human calculation, human intuition, tradition, mental cognition, you know, you know, mental, you know connecting dots. You discover this by connecting dots. You know, you can never produce in the mind and the heart, the insight into the sublime truth that he is so glorious as he has professed. In other words, Peter, this only comes by revelation. 
of the spirit of God in your life. You didn't grab this on your own. You didn't you didn't study this and have an aha moment where you connected the dots. This came because the spirit of God revealed something to you. Okay? Flesh and blood. This didn't come through human calculation, intuition, tradition, mental cognition. You know, one of the great stories of uh, one of the great theologians, he probably would have been canceled today. The great Martin Luther in 1501, he enrolled, he enrolled in, in seminary. In 1502, he received his bachelor's. 1505, he received his um, master's of ministry. 1507, he received his ordination. 1512, his PhD in theology. And for five years... He wrestled with salvation. He wrestled with grace. He wrestled with the great message to, until the 95 Thesis where Martin challenged the church and said, we don't need a mediator. We don't need somebody to interpret us. God, we can read God. We can read the Bible for ourselves. It is by faith we are saved through grace, not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. The 95 Thesis of the great Martin Luther and the Reformation. As studied, as studied and as astute as you are. That's why all these institutions, these people that teach and preach or teach, teach in, in, in seminary and the preaching philosophies and the preaching different perspectives of the culture to make Christianity water down more and more to where they, they have this feckless Jesus that doesn't do anything except love, love, love and, and grace, grace, grace. And, and, you know, how can we make the culture comfortable in our churches? They are watering it down. Even if you've studied, we are all in need that salvation is of the Lord. And only the Spirit of God can draw a man or a woman to that conclusion. No man comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Spirit of God. And until we grasp that, and until we stay in there, and until we continue to wrestle with this idea that is not a mental approach, but it's a revealing of the Spirit. It did it to Peter. It did it to Peter in Matthew chapter 13. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. What did he reveal? That he was not just a prophet. He was not just a priest. He was not. He is the Son of God, the Redeemer of the universe, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. 1 Corinthians 17, I love this, where Paul writes and says, for I did not, I did not, and I'll close with this, okay? Because we got to get our confessions right. Listen to this. For, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach, not the wisdom of, the, of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Our, our preaching should bring the cross to the forefront, the lost sinner, the redemptive, the changing of a mind, the, the, the looking at God differently and accepting his word, the fact that we are sinners, that we need the cross. Listen, for the message of the cross is foolishness. So when you get rid of, you know, and, and we got this all the time, man, man is good. No, man's heart is deceitfully evil. 
Oh, just trust your heart. Nah, nah, we ain't trusting nobody's heart. We're trusting the Word of God. We're trusting the Spirit of God. We're not putting our trust in any flesh. Watch this. It says, for the message of God, for the message of the cross, the cross, it's specifically the cross. Why? Because it's crucifixion. It's, it's, the, it's the emblem of suffering and shame. It's the emblem of, of the, the humiliation, if you will, of the sinner. That's why, that's why the cross is called in, in our hymnals, the old rugged cross. It's a rugged cross. It's a bloody cross. It's a cross of shame. That's why, that's why the culture can, they can't, they can't see a, a God that would die on a cross, a curse. You know, that's what, that's what Peter says, that cursed is many men that, that, that dies on a tree, the old rugged cross, because he became a curse for us. We must see him correctly. Watch this. He says, for the message of the cross is moronos, moronic to the world, to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made fool the foolish of the world of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through his wisdom, did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of this message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews, uh, for the Jews request a sign, the Greeks re request wisdom, but we preach Christ and Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Boom. Our confession must be this wisdom of this world, their concepts, their precepts of, of what a Christian is and, and what a Christian should do. And, 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 I, and I, I get it. I, I get all the I get all the forms of messages of faith and and, and the the, the, the self-improvement that come by living holy and righteous and, and I, I I get all that. Okay. But when the end the end result is always us being comfortable and always us being rewarded. In, 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 in what we would call in, in this life. The preaching of the cross is foolishness. The persecution that comes, you know, Paul writes and says, those that, those that desire to live righteous shall be persecuted. Huh? What? How do you, how do you escape persecution? You compromise. Our 2023 confession of faith is strong because our object, the object of our faith is strong, is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the object. If I'm standing up on a pulpit and there's a chair behind me, 
And as I'm preaching, somebody, somebody pulls that chair out because they, they think that I'm going to fall or, 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 or be tripped up by that chair. They move it behind me and I don't see it and I don't know about it, but I put all my faith that as soon as I close my Bible, I'm going to sit right down. The minute they move the object of my faith, that I have faith that there's a chair behind me. The minute they move my chair, huh? What happens? I sit down and my faith is only as good as my object. And our confession is only as good as the object of our faith. And if you have this false idea of who Jesus is and not a biblical one, you have a cultural one that says, thou shalt be nice, thou shalt make everybody comfortable and happy, and, and you know, everything's going to be okay. And you don't have a biblical one that says, no, that's foolishness. No, that does not please God. No, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus says. And you need to recalibrate your confession of faith and make sure that the object of your faith is worthy of your confession of faith. Well, God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this, this little discussion today, and we will talk to you soon. God bless you. And if you like the podcast, please give a review because it, it helps the podcast move forward and, and be shared and uh, all that wonderful stuff that happens on social media. So God bless you. We love you. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. And remember, the object of your faith is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.